Welcome to January, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to January. Welcome to the year that is 2024. And in a lot of your cases, welcome to Dieting City. Yeah, that's right. We've probably all taken stock as far as our body weight, body fat, and potentially rocky habits over the course of the festive season, of which there's nothing wrong with that, might I add. The festive season is to be enjoyed. It comes but once a year, and it is the season of food, as Christmas has morphed very much from being a religious ceremony to a food festival. But at the end of the day, we are potentially in a position now where we feel like we need to do something. Summer, spring warmth is but a few months away if you're in the UK anyway and so we want to be in the best position to be able to feel relaxed to be able to remove some items of clothing and feel good about what's underneath obviously we want to be fit healthy to run around and of course we want to make sure that all of the clothes that we want to fit wear fit beautifully and so in this particular episode I'm going to be touching on the standard January stuff and digging into some of the things that people tend to do at this time of the year and why some of them may or may not be a good idea. So sit back, relax, walk, drive, run, uh, lift, clean, whatever it is you do while listening to this podcast and of course Whatever you are doing, do feel free to let me know how you listen to these podcasts at Chris Moyes on Instagram. But without further ado, let's get into it. January. So the first thing that people tend to do at this time of the year is panic. They see the weight that's gone on over Christmas, multiple pounds, sometimes in the tens of pounds, and people find themselves in a position where they go, holy shit, I need to do something about this right now. Now, first things first, depending on when you weighed yourself, you potentially got some hangover from the festive season in the terms of things like water weight. So firstly, it is vital that you don't panic too much about the scales. Secondly, although stuff might be feeling a little bit tighter, it is really important to understand that the speed of which you endeavor or try to lose will ultimately be your downfall when it comes to getting yourself to a position you want to be. Speed is rarely your friend when it comes to making decisions about your life. And it's also important at this stage as well to recognize, as I said in the intro, Christmas is a time to be enjoyed. It's a time to indulge. It's a time to not worry too much about the numerical calorie value of foods and to just relax a little bit. Life is stressful, life is hard, and Christmas is to be enjoyed. It's not the time of the year that you should be depriving yourself, and if you've gained a few extra pounds over Christmas, please don't feel bad about that additional gain. It doesn't make any difference to you as a person, it doesn't change your character, and December, particularly the latter half of it, should certainly not be used as a conduit to judge you yourself in terms of discipline or anything like that because it's Christmas, it's meant to be enjoyed. However, here we are, middle of January, you might have already got going, you might have struggled to get going, you might have started, stopped, stumbled, whatever. And so, like I said, that's what this podcast is all about. Hopefully, steer you on the straight and narrow again and get you firing all cylinders with an approach which is actually going to work. So, first things first. Don't be too quick to try to lose it. Yes, the size of your deficit will ultimately dictate how fast you lose, but the size of your deficit will ultimately as well impede upon your life. Bigger deficit, faster loss, 
bigger deficit, worse life. Cutting down all of your calories, removing a load of stuff from your diet is going to be a surefire way to start and then stumble pretty soon afterwards. Going from a period of indulgence to severe deprivation is only going to lead to the start of an eating disorder as opposed to actual progress. So the first thing you need to realize is although you want to get in better shape for the spring, for the summer, these things aren't going to rock up tomorrow. You have time. And if you lay the groundwork now in terms of the changes that you make, you are going to be far more successful in January, February and March than you would be if you try to get the hammer down and lose it as fast as possible. As a general rule of thumb, you want to be aiming to lose between about 0.5 to 1% of your current body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, the most you want to be looking to lose is about two pounds per week. And that in and of itself is a tall ask, okay? You've got to be very, very accepting of the fact that two pounds a week is a big calorie deficit. Be content with a pound because a pound consistently week on week is going to lead you to a very, very transformed physique come the summer. For example, half the year away, you're looking at the best part of two stone if you're consistent. So you've got to bear that in mind. This is very much a tortoise as opposed to a hare's approach. Secondly, doing silly things which deprive you for no good reason other than there is a slogan for the month is not really going to set you up for success in the future. Cutting foods out, getting rid of the things that you enjoy, takeaways, whatever, or things like dry January, although may be very good for alcoholics to a certain degree, although to be fair, it should be dry year as opposed to dry January, all of these things, all they do is they remove this stuff from your diet, which can seem advantageous. It's not in my diet anymore. But then what happens when you get to February is it all comes back in with a vengeance. Instead of doing something like dry January, you are far better off taking the approach of removing these things during the week where they're not necessarily needed, but still enjoying some alcohol at the weekends when you socialize or when you're in a more relaxed setting. It is a foolish idea to remove anything from your diet which is not going to be removed forevermore. As I said, if you are an alcoholic, ditch it. Get it gone. It's not serving you in your life. If it's having some adverse effects in terms of your life, it's probably a good idea to knock the booze on the head. But if you've got a healthy relationship with it and you just overconsume or you like to finish the working day with a drink, it might be a good idea for you to look at that and put some rules in place, only drinking on the weekend, or perhaps just one day of the weekend. Again, depends on you, depends on your life. Which segues me quite nicely into this next point, which is focus on the habits and the routines, and the results will take care of themselves. Everybody at this time of the year, most likely yourself included, is obsessed about results. How fast can I lose it? What are the numbers? But in actual fact, the best thing that you can do is regain some structure. First things first, just some eating structure. Start having some eating windows within your day where you set specific meals and also specific snack times. Because an area I see a lot of people go wrong is they deem snacks as bad. They're not. The chocolate bar is not bad. A packet of crisps is not bad. Some biscuits are not bad. Again, depends on your own unique relationship with those specific foods very much in the same way like alcohol. 
But at the same time, planning in snacks, going, oh, I always get peckish around the school run time. I'm going to have something to take the edge off my hunger so that I don't lead to a binge or, you know, eating something whilst you're cooking. Or in the evening, if it tends to be a weaker time of the day for you, a planned snack in the evening can be a game changer to ensure that you don't lose control. Because trust me, in all my years of doing this, 99.9% of people struggle in the evening. If you're going to go over calories, that is when it's going to happen. So having a planned snack halfway between your dinner and bed is a great way of not only enjoying something, a bit of chocolate, some popcorn, packet of crisps, whatever, but also staying in control as well. So as I said, don't eradicate these foods from your diet, but first things first, just focus on having a structure before you worry about any apps or calories or anything like that. Just start having a structure because the majority of calories come from the impromptu picking, snacking, and booze, which <clears throat> incidentally is where the calories came from over the festive season. The meals, although calorific in terms of Christmas dinner, aren't actually too bad over Christmas. It's the bits in between, the constant snacking throughout the day, which leads to the calories. To give you um, a bit of an example of that, a few years ago now, I did a calorie challenge. I tried, endeavoured, to reach 25,000 calories in one day. Didn't make it, fell quite a bit short, didn't even get halfway. Uh, actually, no, tell a lie, I did get halfway. Uh, I achieved about 12,500 in one day. And my approach to it was a little bit silly. I was having big kind of grand meals, very calorific meals. I mean, my first meal was just after midnight and it was a New York vanilla cheesecake with a whole tub of Biscoff spread on it. Needless to say, I didn't eat Biscoff for about a year after that because I couldn't stand the sight of it. But the point I'm getting at is that, yes, although I achieved 12,500 calories in one day, the video is on YouTube, by the way, if you want to go and watch it, tapping Chris Moy's calorie challenge. But what I learned from it is that the feeling of kind of getting a big meal and getting full, it's very, very difficult to get a load of calories in doing that over the course of the day. And yes, I'm well aware I got 12,500 calories in, but my point is I really had to force myself. I was eating when I wasn't hungry and I was choosing the most dense of the densest calorie foods, options that I probably shouldn't have chosen. Doing it again, I would eat continuously. I wouldn't worry about getting full or having a big meal or trying to, to reach the capacity of my stomach. I would not stop eating throughout the day. That is how you get the most amount of calories in, which, let's not be around the bush, is exactly what we did over Christmas. The quality street, the roses, the heroes, the celebrations, the nuts, the random picky bits, that side of the kitchen which has all of the special Christmas treats on it, the coffee table perhaps that has a bowl of sweets, and then of course you've got all of the drink etc that comes out. All of these things are where the calories came from. So the reverse of that is true. That's where the calories came from. So to remove the calories from your day, first thing you need to do is just look at structure. Bring in some kind of control, some kind of structure that suits you as an individual. Funnily enough, on my Facebook Live with my academy last night, we spoke quite in depth about fasting and how a lot of people, as I mentioned, most people need their calories in the evening. A lot of people can really benefit from fasting in the morning. So what I would encourage you to do, and I did do a podcast on this, is have a look at your need for breakfast. It may very well be that you're expending a load of calories in the morning that you don't need to. 
And it's also important to be open-minded to your usage of calories. Too many people get obsessed about, I need that, not realizing that our bodies are incredibly adaptable. Within thousands of years, we've invented this structure of three meals a day, but in actual fact, if you rewind to the same makeup of human being that existed a couple of thousand years ago, or even a couple of hundred years ago, we weren't having three meals a day. We were eating once every few days. So there's no general template of you must eat three times. It's purely a habit-based thing, and habits can be changed. The same thing goes for our wake time. A lot of people think, oh, I can't get up in the morning. I'm a night owl. There's no such thing as night owls or early birds. It's what you choose to do. Your circadian rhythm will adjust within a matter of days of adhering to an earlier get-up or a later night, and your body will naturally adjust to what you need to do from an energy and sleep perspective. So throw out all of the bias templates of I can't do that, that's not me, and try something new. Really begin to see where you need your calories. As I said, it's most likely going to be in the evening. So you might want to look at saving some calories earlier in the day to ensure that the riskiest part of your day has the most amount of calories possible to ensure you can get through it, even though there may not necessarily be a, a hunger, starvation necessity for a bit of chocolate in the evening. That few squares of dairy milk could very much be the difference between you going off the rails or staying focused. So the next thing that I'd really encourage you to do is to begin being accountable. Not necessarily to someone, although of course my coaching services are available. So a lot of people do need a little bit of skin in the game and someone to report to. It is incredibly important in the grand scheme of things. But as you're getting the wheels turning, or hell, even if you're already being coached, one of the biggest tools that you can use is data understanding how much you are consuming and how much you are moving. In actual fact, this is the staple part of the start of all of my programs, which is accountability and ownership. The way I liken it is a little bit like a map. Okay, Let's say you are in the middle of nowhere and you're lost. You don't have any signal on your phone, so you can't use Apple Maps or Google Maps. You, know, you can't click that little paper airplane thing to figure out where the hell you are. You have no idea, no visible landmarks. However, you have a paper map. But the problem is that paper map is absolutely useless unless you know where you are, because that map will never help you find your way home unless you first figure out where you are. So first, I mentioned about getting a structure before you bring in the usage of NutriCheck or MyFitnessPal or any of those apps. But then you need to figure out where your caloric intake is. So the first things first, as I said, sort yourself out a structure. Make sure you've got an idea of when you get hungry and when you need your calories and create a meal and snack plan around that. Then you bring in tracking to be able to understand how many calories you are consuming. Self-monitoring is an essential part of this journey. Every single client I have ever spoken to or coached that has gone, oh, I want to try not tracking for a bit or not using my fitness pal or NutriCheck for a bit. I want to try intuitive eating, smack bang in the middle of their fat loss journey. Funnily enough, their progress has ground to a halt and in some case gone backwards. In the future, you won't use these apps. 
Okay, once you've really established, firstly, you've completed your goal, you've lost the body fat that you want to lose, but once you are in a position where you're back up to maintenance calories and you know and have a structure for roughly what your normal maintenance eating looks like, then, and only then, will we ease off the usage of my fitness pal, NutriCheck, etc. However, whilst you are on your journey, you need this data. And there are three forms of self-management that are vital. Firstly, you need to weigh in and you need to take stock of where your physique currently is and find a way of tracking your progress. Though the scales are easily misled through time of the month, water retention, and a whole manner of different things, they are a good guide to use over time. Spotting the trend of your loss is a great, great thing because it gives you an indication that what you are doing is actually working. I would also encourage doing pictures, potentially using an item of clothing when it comes to tracking progress too. But the scales, although they have their flaws and although a lot of people have different psychological relationships to the scales, if used appropriately and you understand the natural undulation of weight over the week, they can be a great tool to understand and see your progress over time. So the first thing that you do need to do is self-monitor. Okay, You need to make sure that A, you're making progress, and B, you're not going backwards. Plus, obviously, it's vital to take accountability for where you currently are. Secondly, calories. As I said, you need to get an idea of how many calories you're consuming. You need to know where you are on the map so that you can then begin making changes. You've already got your meal structure, your snack structure. You begin tracking your calories. That's how many calories you're consuming. You keep doing that for a couple of weeks. Is your weight changing? No. Okay. Well, it's time to reduce calories a little bit more. So therefore, you reduce them. You look at how you're eating. Where can you make some savings? That could be swapping one ingredient for a like-for-like -like other one, which is lower calorie. Win-win. You don't really notice that the calories have gone, but you're in a bigger calorie deficit. Or it could be playing around with things further. But that self-monitoring, that data is key. Look at every successful industry in our world and they are data-driven. So when it comes to managing your own body fat, why are we so adverse to accruing this data? Yes, of course, it takes a little bit of effort. But unfortunately, if you want to achieve something, you're going to have to expend a little bit of effort. And I don't know about you, I'd much rather track my fucking calories and use a little app on my phone when I'm probably on my phone anyway for social media than have to make these grandiose, massive changes of restriction to then either ultimately fail, as I reported on earlier, or not actually see the progress I want to make because it's too fucking vague. No idea what kind of changes I made. So like I said, it's a great way of making fat loss easy. On the flip side of that, you have steps. Steps are our way of tracking movement. Now, is a step magical? No. Obviously, the most important thing is caloric expenditure, but we do a far better job of caloric expenditure over the course of the day than we do in exercise. I've touched on this previously. So make sure that when it comes to your caloric expenditure, you're tracking your daily movement. That is the steps that you do and finding ways to be more active, sustainably, of course. Which brings me quite nicely to my final point, which encompasses everything I've mentioned in this podcast so far. Sustainability. If you make a change which you are not going to sustain, then all of the results you achieve through that change, if any, are going to be short-lived. Removing alcohol, it's going to come back in. A load of calories are going to come back in. 
Net result is, what was the fucking point? Remove chocolate. Great for a bit. Chocolate comes back in. Calories come back in. Weight goes back on. Granted, things like a calorie deficit are temporary because you're not going to be in a deficit forever. That's not the point. And doing temporary exercise, doing temporary things like I'm going to go for a walk at 5 a.m. every single fucking morning, it may look great on paper, but if you're not going to keep doing it, and trust me, I know, then you are only going to get the short-term fruits from that before it all falls by the wayside. So it is very, very important to recognize that every single change you make habitually, with monitoring, etc., needs to be something you can sustain. If you bring an exercise in, it needs to be for purposes other than fat loss, because at some point, you won't need it for fat loss anymore. Not to mention, exercise is pretty shit when it comes to fat loss. Like I said, day-to-day movement, far more powerful. But my point is that every single thing that you do, every single thing that you've thought of about doing whilst listening to this podcast needs to come from a position of sustainability. You are never going to achieve your goal and you are certainly never going to keep the results from your goal or from that achievement if you don't change your life and the way that you live it. If you just focus on results, you will not get anywhere. If you just focus on the horizon, you will never reach it. But if you focus on your day, you focus on the way you approach each day, your mindfulness, your relationship with food, your structure, your discipline, your routines, your habits, look after those things and the results will take care of themselves. Not only will they be far easier to attain in the first place, but keeping those results will be far easier because your life is better set up for it. Trust me, I've known many a people that have done 10,000 steps briefly, got great results from doing it, and then they stop doing it. And all of a sudden their caloric burn goes through the floor, their caloric intake doesn't really change too much, and funny enough, the weight begins to creep back on and they wonder why they've quote-unquote plateaued. So there we go, folks, a very simple framework to make January more successful for you. As always, if you need some help, the good news is outside of these wonderful podcasts, I'm also a coach and I would be more than happy to help. And the rates are pretty fucking reasonable, too, if I do say so myself, because I'd never want finances to be the barrier of entry to coaching. So you know what? If you're sat there thinking, fuck's sake, trying to do it on my own again and I'm failing, I'm not really getting anywhere. Send me a bloody message. okay? don't do what you've always done. Otherwise, you'll get what you've always got. But in general, folks, make sure you apply the principles I've spoken about here. Create a strong foundation and you will be successful. So as always, when it comes to what you're up to, accept the things of which you cannot change. Have the courage to change the things that you can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that goes in every aspect of your life. There's a lot of stuff you can't change. Work child care children commitments etc but there's a ton of stuff in your life that you can change and there's a ton of time that you can find as well so make sure that you don't just find that time and invest it in some exercise you're probably not going to keep doing it's far better to spend that time reflecting and planning and making sure your life is actually set up for success for success tripping over my own words rather than reactive Because trust me, those that are the most successful are the ones that are organized, the ones that have got their shit together. Those are the ones that we all tend to admire. Let's not be around the bush. So don't be reactive, folks. Be proactive. And I'll see you on the next one. Toodles.